Awakening the warrior within is found. Our keynote verse is from John, pardon me, Joel 3, uh, chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. It says this, proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. Everyone say prepare for war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. We've been launching forth from this verse. I think this is the sixth week, if I'm not mistaken. And I would encourage you either online, uh, you can go back to Facebook, and you can find the introductory message of this series uh, that we walk through this verse in detail to inspire, motivate, and awaken the warrior on the inside of us. Now, the last few Sundays, we've been talking about the implements of war, if you will. How many of you know uh, it's hard... It's, it's not good to go to war without the proper weaponry. Are you with me? Say amen. But we've learned something about spiritual warfare, and there is spiritual warfare in the earth, especially in these latter days. Do you believe we're living in the last day? Say amen. We really are. That's what Joel is all about, prophetic insight about the last days. And we're going to look at Acts chapter 1. In fact, you can turn to Acts chapter 1. We're going to look at today at another, uh, oh man, a vital key element of spiritual warfare, uh, and that is this. Last week, we, look, we looked at the warrior's sword. This week, we're going to look at the warrior's prayer life. How many of you know if you're going to win the war spiritually, you're going to do it on your knees? Not in surrender to the enemy, but in surrender to God at the place of prayer. Now, I'm on my stool this morning, and I'm trying to be reserved maybe a little bit and be less old-timey preacher, but I want to say something about the old-timey preacher on the inside of me. If I say something that you like or something that uh, you think is correct, you can say amen or praise the Lord, or if that's overwhelming to you, you can smile and nod. If you don't do any of those, you know what I think? I think you didn't hear me very well. And what I do is I just keep repeating myself over and over and over and over again. How many of you like to keep this thing rolling this morning? All right, there you go. So I just need a little help from you today. And so that's what we're going to talk about, the warrior's prayers. And as you look at Acts chapter 1, I want you to just, again, give you the the context here uh, that this is the birthday, if you will, of the church. The church was born on what we call Pentecost Sunday or Pentecost. And I won't go too deep and wide in history and context But Jesus, the resurrected Christ, had told his disciples to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. And then he ascended in their sight. You read it in Acts chapter 1. He ascended, and they were all a little bit like Gomer Pyle. I know Carmen probably doesn't know who Gomer Pyle is, uh, but you do know who he is? Well, all right. Well, Gomer Pyle would say this on the old Andy Griffith show. When he got overwhelmed, he would go, God. And that's how the church was doing, really, are these first century disciples when Jesus uh, uh, was uh, uh, ascended to the Father. In fact, the angels had to tell him, why are you standing and gazing into heaven? This same Jesus who left in this manner will come again. Somebody say, come again. And so that was the birthday of the church. And so 
uh, the church was then walking in a new level of obedience in Acts chapter 1 and 2, and they were doing something marvelous. It says this uh, in verse 13, and when they had entered, that's the upper room, and went up into the upper room where they were staying, Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and even Judas, the son of James. Uh, Not Judas Iscariot, but Judas, the son of James. Uh, These all continued here. Look at this. In fact, Let's read this together. It's there on your uh, up above. Let's all read this together. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And everyone said amen. So catch this this morning. What's going on today at, at, in, at, in, on the birthday of the church as they are getting ready for the Holy Spirit to be poured out? They are praying. They are seeking God. Here's an interesting thing that Jesus did not say in Acts chapter 1 as he was about to ascend to the Father. He did not say, disciples, go to Jerusalem and wait and pray until you see the Holy Spirit come. He didn't tell them to pray. But what were they doing in verse 14? These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the number of Jesus. They prayed one accord in prayer and supplication. Now, where did they get that? They they got that from Jesus because Jesus was a prayer. In fact, they saw Jesus pray in the early morning, in the late evening, and they saw him pray when when he was troubled just before he went to Calvary. They saw him, as it were, sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. They heard his teaching in Matthew 6 when he said, when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. And they heard the teaching. We call it the model prayer, the Lord's prayer, but it's really the model prayer. He taught us how to pray. He he was a man of prayer. And I would have loved to be in that four. 40-day uh, church growth seminar after Jesus rose from the dead. He was with his disciples for 40 days teaching them things concerning the Word of God. And so here's what we have to know from anybody that is a real follower of Jesus Christ, a real disciple of Jesus Christ. They embrace a lifestyle of prayer that just takes them not only to one place, but through life into eternity. And so it really, a a praying believer is really the evidence of a real disciple and a follower of Jesus Christ. He didn't tell them to pray, but they knew in their knower that they needed to be praying and praying together. And you know what? The church was born. Think of, how many appreciate God birthing the church? It's called the bride of Christ. How many of you know Jesus loves his bride? Are you with me? Say amen. And so the birthday of the church happened in the middle of some prayer warriors praying fervently. Big things happen when people pray. Great things happen when people pray. I want you to catch that. And so they had caught that and they were warring uh, uh, at the place of prayer. They did not know what the future held. There were question marks, but they were standing and in fact kneeling and praying in faith that whatever God was going to do, it was going to be good. Amen. How many of you know he only doeth wondrous things? And so This morning, I want to talk to you about responsible praying, praying responsibly. 
I think sometimes it's possible that we don't pray rightly or responsibly. Uh, uh, there's many different facets of prayer. Uh, when you go through Matthew 6, and I'm leaning toward, even though we've talked about this, we did a, we did a, a Sunday circles that went through the model prayer in Matthew 6. I'm thinking about beginning the new year with an in-depth, uh, not just study, but application of the model prayer and get us to the place where we just become prayer warriors and it's our nature and we, we learn and know how to pray. Most people don't pray unless they get in trouble. You know, everything's fine. And then when they get in trouble, oh, I better call out to God. How many of you know, uh, that's good, but that's not, that's not responsible praying. How many of you know prayer life? In fact, you know what Paul told the church in Ephesus? He said this, pray without what? Ceasing. And so this first century church, they began to pray. And so I want you to know something about responsible praying. We'll talk about it in a moment, but and kind of give you a little further definition from this Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2 illustration. But let me read these thoughts to you. Birthing anything of kingdom consequence always requires the responsible prayer efforts of the family of faith. Birthing anything of kingdom consequence always requires the responsible prayer efforts of the family of faith. Here's another one. Breaking through to a new level of victory always requires the responsible prayer efforts of the family of faith. Number three, binding the enemy. How many of you want to preach? And that's where we're talking. How many of you know binding the devil and taking authority over him? Uh, we can do that at the place of prayer. Binding the enemy always requires the responsible prayer efforts of the family of faith. Read Matthew 18, 18, 19, and 20. And so we've got to become responsible prayer warriors, not just people who pray when they're in trouble. I've said this, even heathens will pray in a pinch. You get a heathen out in the middle of his trouble and he'll holler, he'll cry out to God. God, in fact, Beverly and I heard a wonderful story of a young man by name, by the name of Raman Parsa. Uh, you can get on Facebook and find him. He, he grew up in Iran. Uh, his family were Muslim and he told the, his story of, of conversion there. And he actually, uh, uh, his brother had an illegal dish that he watched, uh, uh, I guess, some, some Christian programming illegally. You see, uh, um, in the Muslim religion, Islam, you, that was all forbidden. And uh, he just went into his testimony, he heard the gospel, and he cried out to the Lord in his trouble. I'm telling you, he was in a, in a dark place in his life. He had begun to doubt Islam and doubt the, he said, and he said this, he said, my mom, she would cry and weep and, and we would beat ourselves and some would even hit their heads with a knife and they would cry out to Allah trying to get him to hear their their prayers and their cries. He said, they never, God never seemed to answer. He ne Allah never answered. He said, I prayed to Jesus one time and he answered me right there. He came into my heart and he filled me with the Holy Spirit, gave me the joy of the Lord. He ran home to his mama who was probably still crying to Allah and she looked at him, what's wrong with you? He said, I found Jesus. And she was his first convert. And his emphasis when Beverly and I were talking, uh, sharing, he was sharing with Beverly and I in this church service uh, Friday night, he talked about the power of prayer and how he began to pray and how God began to bring deliverance into his life. 
it broke the chains of Islam right off of him. And he was set free. Somebody say amen. So I want to talk to you from Acts chapter 1 just for a moment. If you have your Bible, turn to Acts 1 and 2. I want to give you some, some requirements of being a responsible prayer warrior uh, and, and just kind of give you a little, uh, kind of a little flesh it out here a little bit. Number one, you need people. It, it, it takes people to pray, right? Look at your neighbor and say it takes people to pray. God doesn't just do things. He does things when people pray. What does the Bible say? Uh, call unto me. Jeremiah 33, 3. God said, call unto me and I will answer you. Why did Jesus teach us to pray when you pray? So when we call out to God, he answers us. It's a conversation. And so we need people. And, not, and so you're people this morning. But here's a bigger thing to look at when you think of the church that was birthed there in Acts chapter 1. It was more than one people. It was a gathering of people. It's what we call corporate prayer. When people come together and pray. I've just got to ask you something because Jesus said, said in Matthew 18 that if you gather together with one or two and you agree together in prayer, you come in harmony together at the place of prayer, God shows up and he begins to answer you. I just have to ask you something today. I want you to think about it as we press forward this morning. When's the last time you sit together with other uh, other believers and people of faith, people of common vision and heart, and you sit together and you uh, maybe around a living room table or, or around one of our Sunday school classes or our Sunday circles classes or, or at work or somewhere and just began to agree together at the place of prayer and began to touch heaven at the place of prayer. Think about that. Because when you see the birthday of the church, it wasn't just Peter and Paul and a few of these keynote guys or even Mary, the mother of Jesus. They were all there. It takes people. Everyone say it takes people. And it says these all continued. And, and let me just throw this. Uh, 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 Raman said this when he's talking about prayer. He said, when I finally made it to America, it took him a while to get here. Uh, he found a church and he was excited and he went to church and man, he saw in the bulletin or somewhere, there's a prayer meeting uh, on a certain night. And he was so excited to pray with his new church. And he went there and there, he said, there was two little old ladies and him. And he wasn't demeaning the old ladies, but what was he demeaning? Where's the rest of them? He couldn't believe it. Why aren't, why isn't everybody here? We're going to talk to God together. And so we need one another. And you see this happening in the church. They all continued. They prayed together. Yes, we pray, you know, Jesus would go out and pray by himself, but understand something, uh, the scripture teaches us in this day, now we can agree together at the place of prayer. And so it requires people. And so we need to open our eyes to that at the close of this service. You know what we're going to do? We're going to pray together. We're going to call out to God together. We're going to ask God to help us together and we're going to pray. Somebody say amen. Heck, number two, another key responsibility of, of prayer is perseverance. Look what it says. These all continued. Everyone say continued. You look at that word in Greek, it's really about perseverance. They did not quit. Everyone say you can't quit. A lot of people quit when, they, when they're praying. And, and what does it say? Or what's the old saying? Sometimes it, it just gets darker right before the dawn. And people quit too quick. 
You pray and you say, well, it must not be God. Listen, it's always God's will to touch people's lives. It's always God's will to help his people. It's always God's will to move you forward in the purpose of God. And so responsible praying requires people, corporate praying, not just personal prayer, but corporate prayer. And then it requires really purpose-filled praying, praying with a sense of purpose. Now, these first century disciples, uh, this first church that was about to be birthed when the Holy Holy Spirit was poured out, they were praying with purpose. They didn't know what the future held, but they knew that Jesus had told them to come together and that he was going to pour out upon them the helper, the Holy Spirit. And so they were praying with purpose. It does not record their prayers. We don't know the content of their praying, but we know they were in agreement with the will of God over their life. They had, a, and in fact, when you study Matthew 6 and the model prayer of Jesus, it teaches us to pray with a sense of purpose and destiny. Come kingdom of God, come will of God in my heart, life, in my family. Responsible praying requires people, people who pray with a perseverance in their heart. I I love Acts chapter 12, verse five. Acts 12, I think Peter was in jail. He was about to lose his life. And the Bible says, but constant prayer, everyone say constant prayer. Constant prayer was offered up to God for them, for him by the who? The church. Somebody say constant prayer was offered to God for them by the church. So there's perseverance and then there's purpose. And their prayer there in Acts 12, they had a definitive purpose. We don't want Peter to lose his life. I met a friend, I hadn't met him in a while. His name is David Franklin. He had, he's kind of a miracle guy. He just, he operates on a different level than me. I met with, I saw him again Friday night after, but haven't seen him in a while. His wife was, was supposed to die of a brain aneurysm and, and he persevered in prayer and God raised her up and healed her of that. And then two years later, she got terrible cancer and the doctors gave up hope on her and he prayed her through and she was totally healed. In fact, Beverly and I saw her Friday night and we were just going, you're the miracle lady. And then he told me a story of one of their kids in their church, uh, some terrible accident. I can't remember the details, but he said, they said, come and pray. And he said, I just, I shut down everything and I just began to pray. I prayed over him for five hours. Uh, for one, one thing, five hours, this boy, God miraculously healed him and raised him from death's door. And so, hey, it's, it's praying with a purpose. Praying with perseverance. And another key element of responsible prayer is praise. Somebody say he's worthy. In fact, when you go back to the Acts 1.14, it says the, it says these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. The word prayer here, the Greek really is better interpreted praise and worship. They all continued with praise and worship and supplication. In other words, praise and worship and worshiping God uh, was a key element of their responsible prayer life. Many people come to God and they come and they're prayer warriors. And they say, oh God, I need this. I need that. If you don't show up, this is going to, oh Lord, oh, it's me. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. What Jesus taught and the first century church learned that when you come to Jesus, 
service, at the place of prayer, you come with an at, in an atmosphere of faith with praise and worship uh, on your lips and, and flowing out of your heart. In fact, David said this in Psalms. He said, enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving and into his courts with what? Praise. And so we come with praise and worship. Paul said it this way in Philippians 4, 6. He said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Let me tell you what praise and worship does. It Number one, gives him all the credit and all the glory. But number two, it stirs up faith in our heart. And how many of you know we ought to pray a prayer of faith rather than a prayer of doubt and fear? That's what responsible praying does. Another key responsibility and element of, of, of praying responsibly is not only people and perseverance and purpose and praise, but then of course, petitions. It says this in that Acts 1.14, one accord in prayer and supplication. The depth of that word is petitions, requests. That's what Paul said. Let your requests be made known to God. Be specific. Listen, if you need a blessing in your life concerning a healing, don't just ask God to bless you. Be specific. Say, Lord, I need a healing in my body. And I thank you, Lord, that you're the healer. And I ask you to touch. Uh, You know, I've got some, you know, I'm I'm pretty healthy. I'm I'm getting older, but I've got the, and you may think this is insignificant, but how many of you know God cares about that which concerns you? I have floaters in my eyes. If you don't know what that is, just say, Jesus, don't ever give it to me. Uh, don't ever, or don't let me have it. Just keep me. They're just little floaters that float around and, and they're not painful. There's nothing, but they just always, I'm always, in fact, the other day I saw Barry, man, these floaters drive me crazy. And you know, from time to time, I just go, Jesus, I lay hands on myself. Jesus, I thank you have the power to heal these eyes and take this stuff out of my eyes. Heal me in Jesus' name. Take these float. I get specific. I get, I get specific at the place of prayer. In my petitions, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, every area of your life, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. He wants you to pray. And what, what, what did Jesus say when he taught us to pray? When you pray, pray this way. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what gets you the ten, God's attention. You get his divine attention when you enter with thanksgiving and you recognize him as your, as your heavenly father and you submit yourself to his governance in your life. And then the next thing Jesus say when you pray, give us this day our daily bread. What's he saying? Be specific. And so responsible praying has people involved, perseverance at its core, purpose at its root, praise and worship that has encapsulated itself around this prayer life and specific prayer life, specific requests. And then number six, I'll throw this one out, passion. Praying with passion. Somebody here is going to get their prayer life uh, uh, fired up today and you're going to have a new passion for praying. And, and here's where I get this. I'm reading between the lines just a little, but I think I'm safe. Because it says this, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. We got close family to the Lord Jesus Christ. His mother had been a part of seeing him die on Calvary's cross. She knew who he was. Go back and study her in Luke 1 and 2. She was a woman of faith. 
She saw her son die, but she saw him be, he, he went in the sacrificial lamb into the tomb, but he came out as the, as the, the, the chief shepherd of the sheep and, and she recognized him as Lord and, and God. And, and so just tell me something today. Do you think Mary was probably passionate in her prayer life there at Pentecost when she had experienced the price of losing her son? And seeing him die in the pain of Calvary, but then seeing him rise again the third day. She was a passionate prayer warrior. I promise you that. And so there's a lot more I could say about praying responsibly. But I want to encourage you today to begin to look at your own prayer life and kind of filter it through these six thoughts that are born out of Acts chapter 1, verse 14, and just say, Lord, where is it in my life that I can begin to pray more responsibly, when I can begin to pray in a way that God would begin to get, I would begin to get his attention and gain his involvement in my life and see his supernatural ministry released over the spiritual atmosphere in the place of my spiritual responsibility. And when you do that, there's product, there's produce, there's benefit. Let me give you four thoughts. Number one, when you begin to pray responsibly like this first century church began to do, there will be a Pentecostal anointing. Read Acts chapter two. The uh, the power of the Holy Spirit, in a sense, interrupted their prayer time with an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And they all began to, uh, tongues of fire, read it later. And they all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There's an anointing and a power came upon them. And that's what Jesus said. You go and you wait because I'm gonna outpour out my Spirit upon you and it's gonna be a powerful anointing on your life. And my Bible tells me it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. There's a Pentecostal anointing. And then number two, there's a prophetic fulfilling. You see, God has a plan. Tell somebody, God has a plan. And God had a plan in that day. And he knew that the birthing of the church was the last days. It was the beginning of the last days. And, and OMG, a lot of prof- prophecy began to be fulfilled on Pentecost Sunday. You can read it. In fact, Jesus said this, pardon me, Peter said this concerning the outpouring. He said, you need to understand what's happening right here. Joel prophesied this in Joel. And he said, it shall come to pass in the last days that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy and your young men shall see visions. And he goes on. What was he saying? This is a day of prophetic fulfillment. You see, God's plan and purpose is unlocked when we began to pray responsibly. The key to, to God's purpose and plan over your life is found in becoming a, a supernaturally inspired disciple of Jesus who just understands this has to become my lifestyle, to pray responsibly. And the purpose and plan of God is unlocked. Oh, I can start telling testimonies, but time eludes me. And then number three, responsible praying produces powerful preaching. Peter was a little scaredy cat until Pentecost. He had denied the Lord, in fact. 
But when you read through Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit had come upon him. He began to preach the gospel. Somebody say the gospel. He began to preach the good news. And the Bible says that in the preaching, people fell under the conviction and over 3,000 people were born again on the first Pentecost Sunday. Man, that's a great, that's a great way to start church. Amen. What a great way to start the church. And from that day until this day, the church has exploded all over the world. Why? Because of Pentecostal praying that led to Pentecostal preaching that led to Pentecostal outpouring where people were born again and filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Powerful preaching. And that leads to productive living. When you pray rightly, it relieves you to a place of productive living. Let me just read to you a little insight about what happened after Pentecost. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 40. And you kind of filter it through this thought of productive living. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who were, those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly. Here comes productive living right here. That was born through, uh, 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 responsible praying. It says this, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. You see what got them there, kept them there and kept them moving forward. And, and it says, they, then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all and in, as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord. See, this is productive living. With one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising. God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. That's productive living. And that began at the place of responsible praying. Now, one little warning for you today. Not only does responsible praying produce Pentecostal anointing and prophetic fulfilling and powerful preaching and anointed preaching but and productive living, but responsible praying will always produce an unrighteous resistance. And that's what we need to understand about being a prayer warrior. There will always be an unrighteous resistance. In my day, what was always and still is the biggest conflict in the public school system about prayer. You can't, you can't pray in school. And what have we seen as older people? Some of us are younger. What have we seen over the years since the legal uh, 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 finagling of the unrighteous resistance pulled prayer out of the school? We've seen the consistent moral and ethical downfall in our culture. Are you with me? Am I telling you the truth? 
And so when you start praying, listen, there's going to be an unrighteous resistance. You need to understand that. But that's where the warrior ought to be rising up in you. Because you need to, I don't, I don't want you to, I don't want you to be shocked and surprised when you say, oh, pastor, man, I started praying responsibly. And man, all hell began to break loose around me. Listen, it's unrighteous resistance. The last, hey, listen, the devil does not want you to learn how to pray. He does not want you to learn the power and the authority of a consistent, persistent, spirit-filled prayer life. A number of months ago, I'm not sure exactly the time, but a coach, a high school coach by the name of Joe Kennedy, as was his custom as a believer, after every game, whether a win or a loss, He didn't gather his team members together and pray with them. He would walk out on the 50-yard line by himself and kneel, and there he would pray. He was fired from his job because of his personal prayer life. There's an unrighteous resistance. And you and I need to understand that, that, that we have a battle going on. But so how do we respond? Uh, how did, how did coach Joe respond? He just kept on praying. You see, the enemy told him, you can't do that. In fact, they said, don't do that anymore. They warned him, you can't pray. Don't pray anymore. You're going to lose your job. He said, I can't not do that. This is who I am. I'm a man of prayer. I'm not trying to influence people. I'm just trying to do what I promised God I would do, me personally. And so they fired him. He suffered the consequences. And so what did he do? He just keeps praying. And when you look at the early church, in fact, Acts chapter 4, when the church is birthed, and supernatural powers poured out because of the power of the people praying and seeking God. What happened? There was an unrighteous religious resistance. And they said, you can't preach or teach anymore in the name of Jesus. And they threatened them. The Bible says in Acts 4, they just kept praying. They said, Lord, behold their threats. We're going to keep praying. You keep doing what you're going to do. We'll keep doing what we're supposed to do. And they kept praying. And the Spirit of God affirmed by a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And God was with them. Are you with me? Peter was thrown in prison because of his walk with God. Constant prayer was offered to God for him. And he was supernaturally delivered. They just kept on singing and praying. Paul and Silas were thrown in prison because of their walk with God. There was an unrighteous resistance, a religious resistance. It says in Acts 16, 25, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. And that was where the first rock concert began because, man, Jesus rocked the house. The gates came open. They were supernaturally delivered. Why? Because of their consistent, persistent, I'm going to keep on keeping on prayer life regardless of the resistance. And in our life today, this truth holds true over your life. The power of responsible prayer holds true for all of our lives. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know the circumstances. But God cares about us. And you know what he cares about more than anything? He cares about lost people. That's what the birthing of the church was all about, to fulfill his ultimate great purpose for people to be saved. 
You know why you got born again. If you're here today and you know you're born again, lift your hand wherever you are. You know you're saved, you're going to heaven. You know why you got born again? Because somebody prayed for you. And the conviction of the Holy Spirit came upon you and you responded in faith. The first person I remember praying for me was my mama. Even when I didn't understand the gospel, she prayed for me. In fact, she led me in prayer. And I began to realize somebody's praying for me. And then as I got up in high school and I wasn't really walking with the Lord, my speech teacher, Kay Farish, if you're watching today, she said this to me. It was like it was like E.F. Hutton. When E.F. Hutton speaks, everybody listens. She said it in the hall before first period. She said, Sam Walker. I said, yes, ma'am. Kind of cocky and arrogant. She said, I'm going to pray about your commitment to God. It sounded like she was on the loudspeaker over the school. I thought everybody in school knew she's praying about my commitment to God. Pricked my heart. Somebody's praying for me. You're here today because of that. And guess what? There are other people in your life who are waiting on the other side of your obedience. They began to build a lifestyle of responsible praying. Let's stand together today. We're going to pray corporately. And I don't want you now in just a moment as I pray to just listen, but I want you to engage with me at the place of prayer. Father, today, I'm asking you to awaken the prayer warrior within us. For Lord, we as your children have a responsibility to pray the way you would want us to pray. And as we've learned today, there's some key elements of praying responsibly that we learned from this first century church who learned them from you. And we pray today that you would help us become men and women of prayer who pray responsibly, not sporadically. Listen carefully. I'm just going to take authority. I don't know if there's a devil that is a sporadic, uh, uh, has a sporadic uh, influence. But listen, we've got to get out of sporadic. I bind this attitude. I bind this spiritual lethargy that it, that has reduced us to to needy, pathetic people who pray just when things are going bad and we pray sporadically at best. I pray this morning, Lord, not only in this room, but those who are listening today by way of Facebook, I pray, Lord, you would stir our hearts and you would fan into flame just as Jeremy prophesied a few moments ago, Lord, that the waters of prayer would begin to stir and we would jump in and begin to learn how to pray the way you would have us to pray. Stir up our prayer life today. Now, I know this is not, uh, a lot of people, you may feel uncomfortable. Somebody close to you, just put your hand on their shoulder or take them by the hand and let's agree together. Use that as a sign of agreement. Lord, right now we agree together that you are going to work in our behalf. You're going to teach us not only how to pray personally, but how to pray corporately, how to agree together and see, see a multiplied outpouring of your power through the benefit of corporate prayer. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Guess what we all are today? We're without excuse. We've been given tools. 
to begin to seek God in a righteous, responsible manner, to see Him do great things in our midst. And so, Father, this week, may, may this message come alive in our hearts and lives. In fact, everybody, do this. I don't, this may or may not make you feel uncomfortable. I think I may be beyond that at this moment. But lift your hand, our hands, and say, Lord, do it in me this week. Stir me to another level of responsible power praying. Awaken the prayer warrior inside me. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you today.